picture being the single father of two. Your wife had just died in a house fire six months prior, and your bills are stacking up. Nothing seems to be going right. Until your late uncle's lawyer shows up at your door with news. You've now inherited the money and the grand mansion of your uncle. Everything seems perfect as you get to walk through its glass walls and large rooms. But, like every family, your late uncle has a few secrets. Not only did he give you this grand mansion and his fortune, but you also have to deal with the 12 ghosts that reside within its walls. Welcome back, everyone. This is your uh, spooky host, Tyler. And I'm Tori. And you guys are listening to Tales of Grimm. I just thought of Disney Channel for some reason when I said that. <laughs> With them using the little magic rods to uh, make the Mickey Mouse ears. Oh, but instead of Mickey Mouse, we could be drawing like skulls and crossbones. Oh, there you go. I actually like that idea a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys couldn't tell by the uh, title of the episode this week and our little synopsis in the beginning, we're talking about the film 13 Ghosts. Tori. Do you want to start us off about how this film opened and everything? So the film opens up in a junkyard where we meet Cyrus, the billionaire uncle, and his little clairvoyant helper, Dennis. What they're doing in the junkyard is capturing one of these 12 ghosts, the Juggernaut. And in order to draw him out, they have to use blood from a truck and spray it everywhere on every car and not only do they catch this horrendous murderous ghost but they also kill a few of their workers in the process hey people this is a spoiler warning <laughs> luckily it's only the first scene yeah sorry guys you got the first like the opening scene spoiled for you whoops but yeah the opening scene is very intense, in my opinion. You know, we're kind of getting introduced to a whole lot of different lore. We have Dennis, the psychic, who's basically, like, every time he touches something, he gets visions and can kind of see, like, its past and future at the same time. And he has major headaches whenever he uses this ability. And he's basically working with Cyrus, the billionaire, because, well, he's getting paid a lot of money. I would do the same thing if I had clairvoyant powers. And for some reason, Cyrus is there because he wants to collect these ghosts for a reason that we will talk about later. Also, if I was like a billionaire, I would totally spend most of my money like ghost hunting and collecting spirits. Would you really want to collect the spirits or would you just want to invite them into our house and have tea with them? First off, I don't drink tea unless I'm sick. Fine, and I booze. guess I do drink tea. Can you imagine getting drunk with a ghost? Wow. Tyler, what'd you do this weekend? I don't know. I did some shots with, like, Michael Jackson or something. No, with your <laughs> luck, you would be having the more psychopathic and the murderous ones. So, like, Bloody Mary? Could you imagine having tea and alcohol with a queen, though? No, no, no. Can you imagine having a Bloody Mary with Bloody Mary? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the drink's named after her. Eh. Yeah. Anyways, let's get back to the film. <laughs> So yeah, so Cyrus is basically trying to collect these ghosts, and the Juggernaut is the 12th and final ghost, and also the most deadliest. In the movie, they state that while the Juggernaut was alive in human form, he killed nine people, but in death, he easily has a victim count of 40 different people. 
while they summon the juggernaut with this truck full of blood we basically get a lot of death that happens in this scene which i also have to say matthew lillard's line of you gotta be shitting me when he sees the truck is easily one of the funniest lines oh my god yeah this movie is full of so many different one-liners they're so solid it's like (laughs) peak 2000s movie screenwriting i i love it so much in order to summon the Juggernaut, like I, like we said, they had to use a truck full of blood. But Cyrus also has these weird Latin chanting that he plays. And it's kind of like a spell, almost, that attracts the spirit towards them. All the crew and everyone there are wearing these special glasses that allow them to see the spirit. So without these glasses, you can't see ghosts. But for whatever reason, these things are designed to help you see all the spirits there and all the carnage they wreak. So once the Juggernaut comes into the screen, all the workers start getting killed. We see people literally getting thrown across the junkyard. People are getting snapped in half. And one of the most gruesome deaths is we see this guy basically fly up towards the top of a car in the junkyard. And his body folds in half as he's dragged inside the hood of the car. You think that's the most fertile one? In the opening, easily. See, I think the one that when he gets trapped and the worker gets trapped inside with him, and you see the juggernaut literally throwing him against this glass box, this glass cage. I think that's the most fertile one. Right, and we should point out that Cyrus does have these like glass boxes, or cubes as he calls them, and they have all these magic spells kind of written on the side that contain the spirits. So one of the workers runs into the box, and the juggernaut falls in after him and kills him. Sadly. But I still think the special effects and the practical effects they used for pulling that guy, like cutting him in half and pulling him into the hood of the car was so well done. It's so creepy. And when you watch that scene, I think I flinch more at that than the guy getting tossed around inside the box. Yeah, I will have to give you that. Yeah, so one of the other things actually that I kind of noticed that was a little bit odd in this, how they kind of have a couple different names for the Juggernaut. So they start off calling him actually the Breaker, but later on in the book when they're describing the Black Zodiac, which are supposed to represent the 12 spirits that Cyrus has captured, he's called the Juggernaut. Mm -hmm. And then when you actually look in the book, the Greek or the Latin phrase that they use is Titan. Right. So there's kind of like, I don't know if if it's lazy screenwriting or if it's like them trying to add in like so much lore into this compressed movie because there's so much background information on this film. Even if you go onto the DVD like special features, they go into like a lot of depth into each ghost and like how they died, why they were a terrible person, why they are basically representing this particular thing of the Black Zodiac, which I think is amazing. Like... The screenwriters are not lazy in that sense where they literally developed these intense characters and you don't really get to see it throughout the film that much. No, you get to see their names and you get to see them, but not their full stories. Which is a little disappointing because literally a lot of work was put into it. Yeah. Like, I really loved watching the special features on the DVD. Yeah, I really liked seeing each of the stories of the 12 Zodiacs. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have basically stunted the movie and brought the viewers out if they shared all of that information. So in that way, I am glad that they still have the information, but as a special features. But I still would have liked to know at least a little bit about each. Yeah, no, and I agree with you on that. So one of the other things I noticed very strongly throughout the whole film, but especially during this junkyard scene, 
was like the use of flashes, quick cuts, and slow motion for the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Whenever we see the ghosts, there's always like random white flashes. We hear kind of like this like ominous like groan almost. And for then some the, of them. Yeah, and then there's like quick cuts and like mixed in with like some dissolves where we get to see kind of like the ghosts in two places at once, but it's supposed to symbolize it moving kind of not normally, but distorted because it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting how they do it. And then a lot of the deaths are in slow motion, I notice. Or we see, like, slow motion in real-time kind of attacks. Like, that scene of when the guy, the worker, is pulled into the cube, he's literally being, like, tossed around super quickly in some moments, but then other times we see slow motions of his face getting pressed against the glass and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and they make use a lot of that type of filming throughout the film. Which I think is fairly unique for their way of interpreting how, like, ghosts move and react. And the last thing the audience really needs to know about the junkyard scene is that we're introduced to these two characters called Damon and Kalana. And, uh, Kalina. Kalina. And they're basically like ghost PETA. They show up and they're like, Cyrus, you gotta release these spirits. And Cyrus is like, no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> they're human beings. No, this one has killed 40 people, both dead and alive. But you gotta release this ghost. (laughs) During this whole scene in the junkyard, Cyrus and Damon are killed, and we now flash forward a little bit, and this is when one of, like, the- one of the best shots I have seen for a movie comes into play. And that's when we're introduced to Arthur, who is played by Tony Shalhoub, and he's our main character. So this scene basically starts off, we see, um, an older sister playing with her younger brother, and she's, like, swinging him around. And then we slowly zoom out and the camera pans to the mom and dad watching the kids and everything's all happy and great and super fun. And then the camera keeps moving and we start seeing all like these happy family photos. But then a fire alarm starts going off and now we start hearing Tony Shalhoub and his wife freaking out. They're like, oh my God, we need to get out of the house, but we don't see it. The camera's just panning along the walls of their house, their gorgeous, beautiful house while this all this audio is playing in the background and eventually we start hearing the kids screaming as the camera pans onto this like this beautiful fireplace there's a slight dissolve where the fireplace turns into this really wrecked ugly looking fireplace and the camera continues to keep moving and the once beautiful house with all the happy photos we were looking at has now shifted into a crappy looking apartment we're basically here that the mom is injured And then she got rushed to the hospital, but then we hear a flatline signifying, you know, she died. We hear the eulogy of her death at her funeral, and then the camera finally pans onto Arthur's face. You see he looks miserable. The camera still moves past him, and we see pictures of, like, that were in the house, now burnt. And we also see a giant wall of all the debt that Arthur basically has to pay, and all the bills that he's passed due on. And then that brings us to our family. Now, I absolutely love that shot. I thought that was the most creative way to basically get the six months in of how long it's been since the mom died. And just, it's so awesome. I love that shot. Easily one of my favorite shots in that entire movie. It was very smooth. And without going into so much detail, the writers were able to show what happened through this tragedy of the fire and the mom dying and how sad and distraught everyone is now. 
Right, and I agree. It was very good filmmaking. And this is where another thing in the movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So, once we get into Arthur and his family in the present day, we're introduced to Maggie, who, when you first meet her, you're assuming, oh, Arthur remarried and has, like, a new wife or, like, a girlfriend or something, and she's helping out with the kids. Even though it's only six months later. Even though it's only six months later. But then we find out Maggie's actually a live-in nanny, which... Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because they have apparently a lot of debt. And not only that, but one of the kids, the daughter actually, is pretty much in high school age. Like, she's a teenager. And she looks like she's 30. (laughs) But she was casting. (laughs) But, yeah, no, like, she's significantly older. Like, easily could be watching the kid, and that would be saving on money. So, Mm -hmm. I I think it would have made more sense to put Maggie as a girlfriend and have it be a longer period of time since the mom died. That could be. Or it could have also been a family friend that's been helping out. Like, I feel like that would have been better, too, especially with the six-month. Yeah, or even, like, a cousin or something, you know? Yeah. I I, I could have got behind that. That makes more sense. But anyway, so during this whole scene... uh, Cyrus, who is Arthur's uncle, that they never really met each other before, like maybe once, I think they said in the movie. Mm-hmm. But basically, Cyrus's lawyer comes to Arthur's home and basically tells him, oh, your uncle left you this extravagant home and fortune, but we need you to come to this pla- like his place and sign all the paperwork. But it wasn't just him saying it. He actually had a laptop, which I'm not... 100% sure if it was his laptop or Cyrus's. Right. Well, and it has a video of Cyrus basically saying and showing pictures of the mansion and all of that stuff, which one of the things that I did actually notice was the backdrop of the computer. It looked very spellish. Oh, yeah. Like there was kind of like arcane or Latin writing yeah, or something. Yes. Which I thought was cool. And the video, at one point, I can't remember what, I think it was the daughter says something, and the uncle automatically replies with, yes, my home, or something like that. It was almost like it was a live feed. Yeah. But it was a video that they were playing, so it was just like that impeccable timing. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Arthur and the family basically, you know, getting out of this crappy apartment, go to the house. It's this giant mansion made of glass. They make a joke at one point where Arthur's like, oh, nobody throw any stones here. And I'm like, ha ha, Arthur, Tony Shalhoub, you comedy genius. And you also pointed out that Maggie makes a joke about no windows. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) Maggie, because she's like the living nanny, at one point she goes, I just want all of you guys to know that Maggie does not clean windows. (laughs) Because the whole house is glass, and I thought that was really funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, so at this point, you know, they get to the house, they end up meeting Matthew Lillard's character, Dennis, again, and he's kind of like posing as like an electrician, just so he can get inside the house, because Cyrus owes him a lot of money from all those ghost hunting expeditions. Oh yeah. Right. So he's trying to get him to get the money, and the lawyer is basically kind of explaining everything in the house, and this is when the family gets separated, and they realize, oh my god, this house is full of ghosts. How they get separated is basically Arthur has to go into the other room with the lawyer and deal with all of the paperwork. And Arthur tells his children and the nanny to stay where they are, but they automatically run upstairs to go find their rooms. Which I don't blame them. Like, when I was younger and my parents used to, like, look for new houses, literally the first thing we would do when we would walk into, like, an empty house was 
All right, this would be my bedroom. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, without going too much into the movie, because, you know, we want you guys to watch it, there are a lot of great lines and jokes kind of throughout the film. Like, one of my favorites is, at one point the lawyer dies, and the the whole house is kind of, like, shifting, so all the glass walls are moving around, and the lawyer is being, like, kind of attacked by one of the ghosts. Like, she's menacingly walking towards him, and he's backing up, and then all of a sudden one of the glass walls shifts and cuts him in half. And, like, it's literally not, like, from the waist down, it's, like, put something on top of your head and slice all the way down like you're cutting a banana. It's vertical, not horizontal. Thank you, that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> this happens, and later on, at one point, someone goes, what happened to the lawyer? I don't know, he must have split. God. So great. <laughs> Amazing line. <laughs> What's very interesting with this movie is that Cyrus needed all these ghosts, basically, to create, like, this whole machine. And what I thought was very fascinating was when they were talking about the machine, they said that the machine was built by, like, this astrologer in the 15th century, but it was designed by the devil and powered by the dead. And I just thought that was kind of a cool little, like, quote that they threw in of, like, why Cyrus is collecting the ghosts to build this machine that allows him to basically control the dead and see into the past and future. Pretty cool. I really do love that. Like, there's so much lore to this movie, and it's such a shame that they have to, like, gloss over some of these things so quickly. So overall in this movie, what scene do you think is the best? I think it's the scene where Dennis and Arthur are looking for the kids. Basically throughout the glass house, there are, like, random spells written on the walls that can kind of, like, stop the spirits from entering. And they do something smart. They take off one of the walls with the spells on it, and they're walking down this hallway, carrying this giant glass plexiglass shield. shield. And one of the ghosts, the uh, the torn prince, comes out and starts attacking the shield or the wall, and it's not doing anything. And I was like, "That's brilliant." What about you? What do you think is one of your favorite scenes? One of my favorite scenes has to be when Kathy is looking in her bedroom. And, you know, it's this luxurious room with this giant bed, this gorgeous bathtub, there's tons of perfume. And at this point, some of the ghosts have been already released. And you get to see the angry princess watching Kathy as she sits in the bathtub full of blood. But, of course... Kathy doesn't see that. She doesn't have those ghost glasses. She does not. See, we need to get those ghost glasses next time we go ghost hunting. <laughs> no, I'm not wearing those. I would totally wear them. I would rather be ignorant about that stuff. Nah, I want to see all of them. <laughs> of course you would. But that has to be my favorite scene just because of how the angry princess looks at her and how it's one of those not jump scares but fake scares from movies that you think that the princess is going to attack her, but it ends up not happening. Right. By the way, she does not look like a princess. She's basically this naked woman, and, like, in the backstory, she basically had so much plastic surgery that she ended up, like, kind of becoming this, like, princess-looking person. She ended up dying trying to do one of her own procedures to make herself look more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I love the lore and backstory on the ghosts. They're awesome. Adding on to that scene, I also do love the fact that you kind of hear the angry princess whispering, I'm sorry, every now and again. While Kathy's walking to the bathroom that the ghost is in, it flashes a little bit and you see blood all over the place. And written in the center of the floor, it says, I'm sorry, in blood. And it's just like those little subtle nods. It's just, it's so good and clever. Mm-hmm. 
it's really a staple for that ghost, which I really appreciated as well. Because you kept hearing her saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in these whispers as she's, you know, coming towards these characters. Yeah, it's and... almost like she can't control herself. Yeah. I also do love the subtle ghosts in the background because occasionally as people are walking down the hallways, you can see like the juggernaut flash on screen for like a quick second. Whether he's in the cage or not. Right. And I just think it's so, it adds to a little bit of the creep factor because it's not like, you know, you have the giant music blaring when you see the ghost. I mean, occasionally you do see that in the movie, but the subtle ones are just like there and you're just like, oh my God, I would never would have expected to see that in that little quick second. Who do you think has the most brutal death? You see, I always kind of go towards the torso, just because, you know, he was dismembered and by, like, the mafia, and he's literally just a torso moving. Yeah, but that was also because he owed money and was a gambler and all of that stuff, so in that way, he kind of deserved it. Alright, well, who do you think had the worst death? The hammer. Ooh, actually, no, that's a good one. You are right about that. Yeah. The Hammer is a African-American man from the late 1800s who, in his backstory, his wife and his daughter were both lynched by a full town. And he goes to seek revenge, kills a few people, but in retaliation, the town goes after him and they kill him by hammering in all of these railroad spikes into his skull, into his chest, into his arms, and cutting off his hand and replacing it with his favorite hammer. Yeah, that is a really brutal backstory, actually. It really is. Yeah, I think that's worse on the torso. Easily. A little bit. (laughs) So, and again, that's kind of like one of the cool things about 13 Ghosts is that they bring in the Black Zodiac. And we brought that up a lot, but the Black Zodiac is supposed to be kind of like the evil version of our Zodiac system. It was kind of fun because Tori actually found something where you can actually look up what birth month represents (laughs) your black zodiac. And those links will be down below as well as a link to the stories of the 12 zodiacs. Yes, we'll definitely have that in there. Awesome. Do you want to say what your zodiac is? Uh, Do you remember? Yeah, mine was the, uh, the Withered Lover, which was basically the fourth ghost in the movie. And that one was portrayed by Arthur's wife, who died in the fire. And what was yours again? Uh, mine was the the Great Child. Oh, that's right. That one was... The big fat baby. Yeah, that, <laughs> that basically killed all the people in the carnival with an axe. Yeah, because they went after his mother. Who was also one of the ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, like, the backstories and lore to the movie are just so much more fascinating sometimes than the actual movie, but I really enjoy the movie as a whole. Oh, yeah. The movie is absolutely amazing and if you do watch it i will say to go to the special features and watch the stories as well of each of the ghosts because that gives more insight into the tortured souls and the murderous vicious ghosts that we get to see right and if you don't have the dvd i'm sure you could probably find it on youtube or something oh yeah i think there are actually clips of each oh nice that's good we keep talking about the 12 ghosts but the important one we haven't talked about is the 13th ghost. Wait, there, there's a 13th ghost? It's like it's the name of the movie or something. Oh my god. I know, right? <laughs> but we shouldn't talk about the 13th ghost because that's too much spoilers and we want you guys to watch the movie. Go watch it, you guys. Go watch 13 Ghosts. You can rent it on Amazon Prime right now for like three bucks and it's worth it. 
Although I should also say that you should probably go buy the DVD because that has the special features and you can watch it as many times as you want. It's true. It's like early 2000s horror in its prime. Just don't watch the trailer because early 2000s trailers are trash. Oh yeah, the in a world where a single father's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they always have that narration where it's just really garbage and we were still... We weren't quite at that point yet where we are just seeing clips... And like scenes of the movie that build the trailer, it's just the man narrating over shots that are poorly edited together. And a little synopsis of it. Yeah. I, just, I don't know why films started off that way. Our trailers know. nowadays are so much better. Some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in this episode. We really appreciate, you know, any listen. And if you got this far, you guys are like our favorite person in the world. So thank you so much. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to share it. We really appreciate it. We're primarily a word of mouth podcast. And if you want, you can go to our Instagram and our Twitter and comment down below. And... Give us any stories that you guys want us to review, whether it be a movie or a local legend. Yeah, if there's something creepy that happened in your town or, like, you have a scary story you want to tell, like, hit us up. I will totally do the research on this stuff. Yeah, or if you do end up seeing 13 Ghosts, again, comment down below. Tell us how you liked it, if you did like it. Yeah, seriously. I like talking to people who listen to it. It's fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week. See you guys.